Welcome to American Soccer Analysis Podcast. I'm Harrison Crow, and join with me is Ian Lamberson. Mr. Lamberson, how goes it? I'm doing fantastic, Harrison. Thank you for, for having me again. Oh, you're, you're welcome. I mean, this is kind of a regular thing now, yeah. uh, you and me. Yeah, it's not that, that we were chosen. It's just that no one else wants to do it, I think. Yeah, that's kind of an issue, right? Like, we right. need to get, like, some folks that'll step up and be like, yeah, I'll do it. But, you know, until we get people that are better than us, you know, they're they're kind of stuck with us, right? Yep, yep, right now we're the best option that, that American Soccer Analysis has. Um, so, before we get jumped right in, I want to know something. Like, I was going through my emails yesterday, and I, I do a lot of Audible. I, don't, I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. Uh probably not on the podcast but you know in one of our conversations that we have uh so it came up there and it said all these books that are coming to tv shows and the very first one was wheel of time did i miss like a green light uh pilot of wheel of time that's coming out because i'm kind of freaking out about this and i haven't had anybody to really talk about this with i didn't know anything about it either yeah uh, like it just popped up in my audible and hey hey this has been green lighted it's being show run by the guys that did agents of shield and something else and i was kind of like mm, could be good i don't want to cast stones but yeah it'll be interesting well they've done such a good job with i mean it kind of depends on what network is doing it um you know if it's going to be like a, an nbc thing it'll be probably be underwhelming if it's going to be on like FX or HBO or one of those kind of uh, pay cable networks, yeah. you know, a lot of quality to it. So um, they're greenlighting anything these days, though, man. They'll, they'll make a show. They'll make a show out of this podcast, probably. That would suck so much. It would be terrible. <laughs> so uh, new weekly introductions, introduction introduction sec- uh, segment. We're going yes. to talk about strange stat lines. Okay, what have you got for me? All right, so I got Donnie Toya over in Orlando City. I don't know if he was playing left back. I believe he's playing left back, right? I think so, Because Suter is the right back. Correct. So he collected 14 defensive actions, which, you know, it's pretty nominal. It's not great or outrageous, but okay. You know, that doesn't necessarily speak to a quality of what those defensive actions were. It just means he was really busy, right? Right. But... The counter side of it is he had all of 15 passes. What? Yeah, so he had like 50, almost more defensive actions than he had passes, which doesn't... Now, uh, granted, defensive actions could end a possession as well as, you know, passes, of course, do also end a possession. Just right. you don't usually see that. It, it just kind of didn't fit right in my head. It was funny the way that Even that kind of with... worked out. Yeah, usually, like, I mean especially in MLS, like, usually, like, your outside backs are, you know, getting, like, 25, 30, 35 passes. It's pretty par for the course, I think. So 15 is definitely on the low side, and especially if he has, 
as much like he wasn't being lazy obviously he was chasing the ball around right uh, yeah so okay interesting well danny toya you've done a real uh you've done a real mystery on us here <laughs> it almost makes me want to go back and watch yeah. the game but i have better things to do or that i could yeah. obviously be watching as i aforementioned i kind of am into that stuff so just kind of going through some of our segments that we have on the podcast today. We're going to talk about the Eastern Western Conference six seeds. Who's on yes. the bubble? Who's kind of looking like? Uh, segment two, we're going to talk about uh, Miguel Elmeron and basically kind of he he's good, but is he great yet? Mm-hmm. And I, I want to throw that yet in there because I think that um, that's also another lens to kind of view this through. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, young central midfielders, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of shut it down after that. So jumping right into it and going right into uh, Eastern Conference, kind of is looking like right now you have about roughly five tiers in the Eastern Conference. You know, you okay. got your title, title contenders, Toronto, Chicago, New York. I mean, it's just Toronto, really, at this point, I think. But yeah, yeah. Probably right. You could probably put, thrust them above both Chicago and New York, uh, especially with what they've done to City the last uh, what last two weeks. Yep, yep. Yeah, they it would them be twice pretty pretty considerably, right? Yeah, it would be spectacular. Uh, you know, just wheels coming off the wagon for Toronto to not to not walk away with the Eastern Conference. That's ridiculous. So, and then you have headed to the playoffs. Probably. Probably. Atlanta and New York Red Bulls. Uh-huh. And then you have bubble teams such as Columbus, Orlando, New England that are all kind of fighting for that last spot. And we'll talk about those three teams specifically. Okay. Um, and then Tier 4 is kind of in its own little area. You have poor Philadelphia where you still have people that are believing in them. I still do. I mean, it's... <laughs> I mean... Not... Yeah, I, I know, I know. Look, Jim Curtin believes. Jim Curtin has right. to believe at this time because his job is pretty much tied to it. I mean, they're not going to fire him at this point, or at least they. I don't see any reason why they should. No. Uh, but he's not coming back next year if they don't go to the playoffs. So no, they have to make a change. Yeah. I, I would think that he definitely believes. I still think anyone that believes in them hopping those three other teams probably on the foolish side. That's Listen. My, my personal opinion. All right. And then the final tier? Uh, those that are already making travel plans with the fam for the, week, for the off season. Oh, you okay. have Montreal yeah. and then D.C., of course. Yep, yep. It's not been, not been a great year for those sides. No, no. And, you know, D.C., uh, you know, our, our, four, our poor friend uh, D.C. Exile, you know, he, he has – he just feels like he has his soul just completely riddled at this point in time, just all the way down to the bone. Um, you know, with... like, a lot of... Yeah, like, you see... I've seen, like, two kinds of DC fans uh, around, and, like, one of them is just, like, they're so dead inside that none of this matters, and uh, they, they can't be surprised by new lows, uh, which I think might be preferable to what, what, what our friend is, is feeling, which is just, like, sheer despair. Um and, and, and a lack of, of, of uh, faith in, in that organization right now. So uh, our hearts go out to you guys, all of you. It's It's been a rough one. Yeah. Um, 
Going, turning our focus back up to the bubble teams, uh, Columbus, the token, I need this to keep my job. Is there anyone that is more on the hot seat right now in MLS than Greg Berhalter? Because I, I, and this is why I think even more so than Jim Curtin, if Berhalter makes the playoffs, he could still be fired very possibly. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are, I think there are coaches that should be that, that probably aren't. I mean, you know, just due to circumstances and, and, and relative interest levels in, in, in the team by the owners. Um, but this is definitely going to be a thing where, like, Berhalter has got to get it together, and Columbus have got to get it together, and not just make the playoffs, but I think make, like, a, a somewhat of a decent run in there and, and look competitive in the postseason if they're going to bring him back again next year. I would agree with that. Stats Club has them at... 49% probability to make it right now. We haven't run our own projections just yet. Uh, I'm still waiting for that from uh, Kevin. Uh, Kevin Minkus should... Kevin Minkus or uh, Matthias Kulowatz usually put that together for us uh, about this point in the season. Um, so hopefully we'll come out with something also that'll be a little bit more based upon expected goals, uh, which we find to be a little bit more, I think, suits our interests. But... Uh, yeah, I, I think there's a whole other debate to that. But um, Orlando, pretty much all in this for Kaká. Yeah. Um, this is, I mean, they've made, they made their big move. And they, they brought in someone else today. Like, they're, 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 they are tooling up for, uh, for, for a run here at the end. And uh, if everything clicks, it could be a very, very strong run. They could be, I, I could see them uh, having the talent to do that. Well, they have the defense, and mm-hmm. now that they have both Dom Dwyer and Kyle Laren for this run, I mean, Kyle Laren's not going anywhere. It doesn't make any sense to get rid of him just because they actually will earn a little bit of extra money from that transfer if they hold on to him to the winter uh, transfer window. So they're not going to trade. They're not going to transfer him out to you know whoever's bidding for him because it's not in their best interest right yet. No. I, I, and I don't think Laren's going to quite force a move just yet. I think he's still waiting for his stock to kind of maybe rebuild off of after those uh poor choices and you know uh i don't want to go into that but yeah it but you have all that and then you have this stellar defense that sits behind them right now that Mm -hmm. if you can just get them the ball i mean we we showed that with you know seattle last year on the western conference seattle finally got uh that piece that they're missing and so and i don't think necessarily dom dwyer is that piece that they're missing but he can't hurt no, he definitely can't hurt. And uh, I mean, we could get into like the was it worth it like aspect of the trade, and you know, I think enough's been said about that. But I mean, like that was their guy. Like this is the guy that they wanted, obviously more than just about anybody else, apparently. Um, and so yeah, like it, he's going to be a big part of whatever happens here in the second half of the season. Uh, you combine that with this this Yoshi fellow they just picked up, and like all of a sudden this midfield is looking really nice and tidy. And like you said, I got that back. I could. This, of those three teams, the bubble teams, Orlando uh, is my favorite to, to, to push it uh, and get into the postseason, I think. And so Orlando sitting at 21% right now. Mm-hmm. Lastly is you have New England, right? Yes. So New England... Go ahead. I, I, I don't know if it's just me, but like, I always feel like week to week I watch New England play, and I'm always like is this a good team i don't know they do great things sometimes and they have matches where they look amazing and they have good players and then sometimes it's just like the opposite you're like wow this is really really bad like i have i just cannot put my finger on the new england revolution right now 
Well, right now, they are leading MLS and expected goals four per right. game. So, yes. like, their attack is just like none other. I mean, yeah. Lee Wynn is having an exceptional year. Diego Fagundes, very good. Kellen Rowe is... Um, oh, forgive the pun, and this just kind of popped in my head. I have to say this: revolutionary. Um, he kind of remind. <laughs> sorry, I thought he you were going to go with Kellen it, or he's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like he reminds me a lot of Clint Dempsey back at Fulham before he started moving into the inside. Once he played on the wings, he reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of that. Um, he just seems really hungry, and he's kind of getting into just trying some stuff yeah. and it's funny because he's peaking at about the same age that Clint Dempsey started to peak yeah um so and, and we'll get more into Kellen Rowe here uh, when we start talking about Miguel uh and, and I don't want to get there but Juan Aguadello good is really good and the only question that you have about New England is what the hell is happening on their defense uh like, they're yeah. One week it's good, one week it's not. Yeah. Uh, I, um, I've been closely following the, uh, the, the travails of one Benjamin Ngoya this year uh, as he's a member of my fantasy <laughs> team. And he is. He's One week he's just like completely lights out. He's great. And other times it's just a complete disaster for him. And I, I really don't know if this is an issue where – is this a management issue? Like, it, the, like if you have the talent and the consistency is not there in the back, is this something that's not happening – uh, somewhere on the coaching staff is this like a lack of leadership from any one of those players in the back four I, I honestly don't know what it is uh, but until they get that sorted out they're just going to continue to be a very very baffling side and it's unfortunate because there's a really good team there um and forgive my ignorance because it just popped in my head did they get Gershon Kofi back yes so it'll be <sighs> There's been a lot of talk about how much they missed after he left. I kind of wonder how much he'll add to them. Yeah, and they also just picked up a uh, another signing, and his name eludes me right now um, for their back line. Uh, yeah, the def- the defender. The defender. So, I mean, like, it looks like they are addressing that. Like, they do see that perhaps this is... Um, this is like, you know, this is obviously what the issue is. So, uh, Claude Dielna. So, uh, yeah, 29-year-old French defender, international uh, experience uh, at the youth level, it looks like. So, yeah, perhaps uh, there's a, a change in fortune for them, and maybe that's the guy that they need to kind of solidify that black line and, and, and you know, be a leader um, and just get everything organized kind of going forward for them. No, I, I just kind of love this uh, mentality that New England went from being this team that, uh, quote-unquote, sucked to not sucking. I don't uh, think, yeah, they really don't and, suck. <laughs> no, no, but I think that, that there is that uh, that narrative that was being put together by a lot of different fans just because they went through some early struggles here and there. And, I mean, mm-hmm. that's why I was able to, I, I, for my fantasy, I was able to, you know, kind of siphon a couple of players quickly because, you know, the overall uh, thing was, oh, they suck, they're bad this year. But the underlying numbers have been good throughout the whole season. Like they started really well, it just took a little bit for everything to catch up with them. And now, uh, if their defense can kick in, as you said, it, it, they're definitely going to go um, and fight for that last seed. Right now, uh, SCS has them at twenty percent, which is right next to Orlando. Though, you know, obviously, you're, they're not seeing that 
extra kick in for Dom yet, but um, they both have a lot to kind of overtake Columbus with Columbus sitting at 49% with that. So obviously it's in the crew's favor, but two really good uh, teams are going to really try them for that spot. So yeah, they're all really hungry for it. So it's going to be a nice little scrap to the end. Looking over the Western conference, um, you, you almost have more tiers here. Like I try to kind of do this and so, you know, tier one being one of us has the conference title and that's either sporting Kansas city or FC Dallas. And yeah. they can't really figure it out. It's like one week we know Dallas is the best team in the league. And then they just get demolished at home by Vancouver. Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Dot, dot, I, dot. Yeah. I feel like this might be one of those things where those teams kind of trade off, like trying to give it to the other and, and, and over and over again. And, and it'll just come down to the last day to see who is, uh, who stumbled the least. No, and, and to be perfectly honest, my personal thought is Kansas City has this. They're a better defensive team. I think Dallas is probably going to heal up as much as they can to really make a strong run for the MLS Cup. So I don't. I, I think they already kind of know we don't have the supporter shield. So you know what? Let Kansas City. It's almost like uh, what is it? Twenty fourteen um, LA Galaxy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> to where they're like, you know what? We'll trade one piece of hardware for what is the most important piece of hardware. To us, yeah. And, and so that's, that would be my guess. Um, we mostly got this tier two, uh, Houston and Vancouver. Vancouver is not great. And in fact, at times they're just awful. But other times they're strong and consistent, which uh, not necessarily – like it, that's oil and water. Um 90 minutes they play consistently and then the next game they play opposite of whatever consistent is so it's funny because it's there for 90 minutes and then it's not there it's very similar to new england only it's more of a holistic thing yeah they're 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 a frustrating team that i always think like i'm always surprised to see where they are on the table because my impression if i think about the vancouver whitecaps is that they should be lower uh because i kind of key into like these sort of abject performances that they're very very capable of doing sometimes um but they've got talent all over that pitch again they're another one of those teams like that it's there it just it just needs to be consistent and uh i think they're going to be able to hold on and like you said i think they basically got a playoff spot but uh they're definitely someone that could fall they've shown that they're capable of it houston's kind of a funny situation that i think they have a really good team I think that they're forced into playing a lot of the bad players or, well, let's say the the lesser of uh, the two good options when it comes to politics, right? So Eric Torres, they're having to play (laughs) over Mario uh, Minutis. And then on the outside, Andrew Winger is putting together assists and it's really hard to sit him in lieu of guys that are, you know, either struggling or injured. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. They have so, some roster kind of. Uh, uh, I don't know what those like. There's there's a lack of fluidity to the roster. People that are on the top end of the earning charts that you want to see play because they're making all the money aren't necessarily the guys that are playing the best or, or offering you the most uh, options and are, are playing are the most dangerous. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm interested to see. Like, this is a, a, a you know you got a coach Wilmer Cabrera who seems to kind of be in deference to a player like Kubo Torres. You know, he said, he's our leading scorer. Like, we are got to get him out there as much as we want. And it's like, sure, 
when but... he gets penalty kicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, even Manotas is doing a lot, you know, from open play and and from the, from the wing. Uh, it just seems to be so much more complete of a player to me, and, and a much more dangerous kind of presence to have uh, right in front. I, of I don't think I don't think you're alone in that sentiment. Oh, I'm definitely not, and so I'm, I, it, it's going to be kind of a guts call for for Cabrera, I think, and I, I do think that decision will have you know very serious ramifications on how far they go, uh, you know, for the rest of the year and into the postseason. So. Taking that and going dropping down another tier, you have the which one of us is going to screw this up? Seattle and <laughs> Portland. Oh God! <laughs> I mean, both of them have their own uh, sets of issues, and we're going to talk about them a little bit more in depth. So we're going to skip over them just right now. Um, and then you kind of had a repeat of I foolishly still believe in San Jose and LA. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna go into both of those along with Seattle and Portland here in just a second. Um, I made tier five just for RSL because RSL, like, they're not terrible anymore, but nope. they're not making. They're not going to make a stretch run. They're going to be that team that's like, well, next year we're going to be really good, but right now we don't really have a shot. So we're just going to wreck everyone else in the Western Conference for yeah, the time. Yeah, that's being. what they're going to be. Is they're going to be the the spoilers for the rest of the year. They're going to like take points off teams that are trying to win things and, and muscle into those last playoff spots. Uh, they certainly are, are, are an interesting team to watch right now. They are. They're a lot of fun. And Jao Plata is amazing. If they can hold on to him for another couple years, um, that would be just uh, amazing for their organization. However, we'll see what happens this offseason. Kind of get the feeling that he's on his way out. But um, yeah. we'll, I think we'll talk about that in the next segment. So um, the last thing is anything can happen, but probably and most certainly not. Um, Colorado and Minnesota. It's just, uh, man, how the mighty have fallen in Colorado. It's it's kind of a little bit of a disappointment, but we all kind of saw this coming out. At least all of us on the stat side of this kind of saw it. Like, they can't keep that up. They can't just continue to seed pos- uh, possession in not just possession, but position and continue to think that they're going to win. I, like I don't I, see that being something that's that's prosperous. And I don't think that they were foolish to believe that. I just think that they thought they could take like the the this position back. Like they could start forcing stuff out. They could start changing things. I think a few injuries kind of changed how they how they felt about the the year. But I don't know, man. I I feel like they made a lot of poor choices in a panicky sort of way. And I shouldn't say they. I should say you know um, their head coach did. There, the problem that the Colorado Rapids have is, I mean, they're basically the same problems that the Colorado Rapids have had for a while, and until those fundamental things get addressed, until they get, um, you know, a consistent goal scoring force, until they can figure out, um, you know, some creativity in midfield, they've got the back half done pretty well. They've got a great defensive midfielder in Azira. They've got a great back line. Um, They've got two good keepers. I, I just don't see, like, it, it's just all going to be, like, if they're going to choose to, you know, try to be attacking at some point, if they're going to try to embrace that, especially at home, uh, where you see sides do that and, and, and pick up points. So, um, yeah, I, they're, they're not going to be around for this uh, postseason. That's definitely true. It's just one more year of that. <clears throat> Minnesota, while their back line has been atrocious at times um, and, and not uh, good at others, they've got 
two really uh, exciting players, Christian uh, Ramirez and then, of course, Kevin Molino. Both, um, and I don't care what people are saying about Kevin Molino not being helpful. Uh, the guy had two amazing assists and one spectacular through ball over the head to release Christian Ramirez. Um, that was fantastic. Uh, so I, I think that they have two pieces that are not DPs that they're going to be able to build around. And obviously, they're not going to go spend a lot of money, but they have some op- opportunities to kind of maneuver around going forward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I don't think this was ever going to be a project that they saw paying dividends this year or maybe even next year or, or the year after that. You know, they were kind of trying to build a foundation. Um, and I think they're doing that. I think that there are really exciting players on that team. I love Christian Ramirez. Uh, I think he's just a really direct, uh, classic striker. Just get the ball to me and I'm going to just slam it into the goal. He's good in the air. You know, Molino is a player I really loved last year. Was really surprised to see Orlando give up even for that amount of allocation money. Uh, and he has proved to be worth that investment in Minnesota as well. So between him uh, and Ibarra, I, there's stuff there. there. There's there's a lot to look forward to for Minnesota, but 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 not yet. All right, so going back up to the bubble teams real fast, you have Seattle, the lazy smart kid. And that kind of is what it feels like watching them, right? It's okay. like they know what they're supposed to do, but they, they're they just Can't put it together. Yeah. Holy crap. Get your stuff together. It's just infuriating. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I think they're going to be very dependent on what comes in this window. They've brought in uh, Victor Rodriguez. Um uh, Kelvin Leardam looks to be like a very, very good acquisition. He looks really strong there and uh, adds that long throw element, uh, which is kind of something they've never had before. Or they've had Evans, I guess, do it to some degree, but Leardam yeah. looks a lot more dangerous with it. Um, and then, yeah, so I guess it's like the the Willie Yarwoni of, of, of Durlis Gonzalez still. Um, I think that could be kind of a, a key acquisition, obviously. So. Uh, I, how the rest of the window shakes out for them, I think, is going to be dependent on what we see them do for the rest of the year. Yeah, you know, I, I think they have all the pieces currently um, to at least make a good run. The problem is with the current pieces, Ladero sometimes doesn't fit, uh, Morris sometimes doesn't fit, uh, Dempsey sometimes doesn't fit. So you have these three really important pieces. And then you have Will Bruton, who just does like Will Bruton. He's like that old dog that just. Yeah. Oh, you want me to chase the stick? Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to go chase the stick. And he might take a little bit of time sometimes to chase that stick, but dadgum, he always comes home with that stick. He does get that stick. God bless Will Bruin and his uh, refusal to, to, <laughs> to, to dude, be any different than he is. Dude, the guy just does exactly what like, He doesn't do anything different or exceptional. He just He's going to fight for every ball. He's going to take a shot, and sometimes he's going to turn the ball over while trying to take a shot, and he's going to miss some really uh, easy shots that, well, people put into context easy. You see me using air quotes. Yeah. I, I have for years uh, adored Will Bruin. I, I, I think long after he leaves Seattle, I'll be a bit fan of Will Bruin. Um, I, I like what he brings to MLS, and I love the fact that he's probably never going to leave. No, he's never going to leave. <laughs> he's just going to be Will Bruin, and, and we will love him for it forever. And uh, he'll have the goal years. record. 
Yes. <laughs> he will have to. He'll be the, you know, it'll be like 2038. He'll still be out there popping in <laughs> seven, eight goals a year. <laughs> well, completely missing at least one or two sitters. Yep, 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 yep. Um, so you got Portland, who is – they're a super they, – all right, so – I wrote these last four, and forgive me. I, I wrote them in the mise that John Hughes was doing a film. Portland <laughs> would be Portland would be the super flawed character who, at the end of the movie, isn't half as bad as you thought they were at the start of the movie. Okay. 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 All right. Yeah. Sure. Like at the start of the movie, like you're just like, oh god, I hate these, and then you're like, you know what? They're not half bad. Yeah. They're kind of, you know what they their defense is just awful and I think once you kind of accept that um and you kind of accept that they're you know they they got old Larry he's coming in he's going to start uh at least supplement what they have right now mm-hmm. Liam Ridgewell's not good but he's not bad either and I think that he's going to at least provide some stability and maybe if they give their keeper a chance um things could start to happen defensively to where they go through a couple of games to where it's, you know, one goal, zero goals. And that attack is so uh, devastating that they're going to jump on some opponents and just break some backs, break some necks. And at that point in time, their defense is less, uh, it's less of less important. Yeah. I mean, I could tell you that Portland, the Portland Timbers will never keep a clean sheet the way they are. Like that's just not possible. Uh, I've I know this Jake Gleason is my my, my fantasy keeper. <laughs> He's literally never gotten a clean sheet, uh, to my knowledge. And uh, I I think at some point like you just kind of have to say, well, look, this is this is their identity, and like they're not a build from the back kind of team. Like they want to have this swooping six point attack thing going on, and when it's working it's it's almost unbeatable but uh they they have to kind of at least figure out a way to keep it to one goal at least keep it to two goals you know like just don't don't have these sort of just collapses that they've been prone to have uh in the past so i, I yeah there, there's definitely something redeeming about their about their character as a team but but they are flawed i, w- I would agree with that well and i think that we kind of see that in expected goals both seattle and portland both have just they're they're over the 30 mark already and expected goals against um Mm. which isn't great i mean you have kansas city sitting down there with 22 Mm. whatever that's about man they're just such a great defensive team blows me away but uh seattle la portland all in the same uh little stretch right there compacted that they're just they're kind of just seeding goals and shots at kind of a a bludgeonly uh, level to where at some point it just the the attack the opposing attack just becomes so overwhelming that it just becomes opportunities become more and more and more to the fact that you're going to find goals from it. Yeah, definitely. It's gonna be a it, I I can't see it being any other way than a, a little a little slugfest between those two. And L.A. right. Uh, I'm sorry. Seattle is sitting at 83 percent. Portland sitting at 75 percent. These are likely your five and six seeds. Very extremely likely. Like there might be some jockeying with Vancouver and even maybe Houston between those four. What those positions are, but this is very likely who you're going to have going yeah. forward. That being said, Los Angeles is like the jock in the movie that you're actively rooting against. 
<laughs> yeah, sure. I, I'll admit to that to a little bit. But it's, I uh, mean, I don't. But that's not just us. Like that's unless you know you're uh, an unnamed person in our fantasy league that just has you know galaxy colored sunglasses. You kind of have this instinctual hate for LA, for Seattle, um, for some of these teams that are out there. And when they're sitting on the outside looking in, much like how it was with Seattle last year, you just kind of are rooting against them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and they've earned that. Like That is a mark of a successful and good organization. Absolutely. I don't have those feelings about... about Philadelphia Revolution or Philadelphia right. Union, <laughs> right? I don't actively root for their failure, so uh, yeah, it's it's just a testament to where they've been and, and kind of where they are now that we're in this interesting space. Now they've they've brought in a new coach, Siggy Schmidt. Is that enough? Is that going to spark? Are they going to go on like a Seattle-like run last year and and just start running the table? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure that Dos Santos is that Lodero guy that they needed. I don't think he f- is that missing piece for them that Lodero was for Seattle. But, uh, you know, he's a great player. So it, it, great players, you know, can can make great things happen. Well, and, and I don't think that it's just on Dos Santos, right? Like, this is the rich getting richer when it comes to midfield acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Like, from the midfield on, I mean, it's like L.A., Seattle, Portland, all three of these teams just cluster together and just have a wealth of these parts that really, I mean, they're just all really good. Yeah. Dos Santos goes from making that midfield good to like really good and maybe even great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, yeah. is, is that really what's going to change the dynamic of this team at this point in time? Pro- probably not. I don't see it myself, but this is Major League Soccer, and this I, is the Los Angeles Galaxy. So I'm not really, I'm not counting them out. I won't be that yeah, guy. The one thing I will say is I think that um, Ziggy will have a bigger impact on this team than I think Dos Santos will, and I'm hoping to see how he changes this eleven to something that I'm I kind of have in my head. Like I, he's used a lot of the four four two formations that we've seen in MLS, even though they're next to extinct over the last three years like he's Mm -hmm. still gone to them from time to time like he's not shy about using stuff when you just have to use it and i think that's kind of where la needs to be at is in a 442 that's that's my personal opinion and i think that beforehand you had guys that were being played in positions that especially uh geo de santos that didn't necessarily suit his talents or maybe even like what he likes to do, right? Right, yeah, and I don't think that even I'm not sure where on the pitch at this point even he wants to be. I guess in that like kind of shadow striker role. Um that's where I would put him, yeah. I don't know where else like, you would. I, I mean, and I, that's a great. I mean, Siggy you know has used that before uh to to good effect. So, uh yeah, maybe this is a that's the thing for the change for them. So, L.A. sitting at 10%. I, I really don't see any way that they're getting into this um, short of maybe multiple. Multiple teams are going to have to collapse for L.A. to kind of find their way into this. But that kind of leads us to San Jose, who is the geeky kid that got hot, right? <laughs> like, all of a sudden, 
you know, they take off the glasses and, oh, they had abs the whole time. Or, oh, my goodness, you know, they they put down their hair and, you know, oh, wow, they're they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. I never saw that. Um, Boy, yeah, that uh, that narrowed a flip for real quick, didn't it? Uh, <laughs> left. Oh, yeah, it went from, oh, gosh, this this like this dirge like uh, quality of their play to like, is San Jose amazing? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like all of a sudden Tommy Thompson's kind of uh, he's actually putting his skill set into like definable goals. <laughs> like, hey, he's actually scored a goal now. Hey, he actually has assists now. Um, beforehand, he was just doing a lot of really fun tricks. I said and this that's... right before. Yeah, I said this right before Dom was actually let go that there's a lot of talent on that team as well. Like, that's another team I look at and I see really good players. Uh, and, like, it just hasn't been, a, like, a cohesive unit yet. And I, I think we're starting to kind of see what that might look like. And that's that's really exciting. I would be very excited as a San Jose fan. Well, and not only that, but San Jose has a really good defense. It's an understated defense, right? They're sitting at uh, just 27 goals against right now, yeah. expected goals, which is better than either Seattle, LA, Portland, uh, even Vancouver, whose defense hasn't been that bad in in the underlying numbers. So you start kind of wondering, could San Jose be that, not just that spoiler, but also maybe that team that jumps up and plays kind of the quasi, and I'm in air quotes, Seattle of 2016. I don't, I I hate saying that because I, I basically want to slap myself for going back to that well, because it's going to be abused so much uh, in the next 10 years. But, oh, yeah. We're always going mean, to that's going to be our main drinking place is that well. <laughs> right. Right. But, I mean, San Jose seems like a team that could just, even though they're sitting at 34% probability, I feel like there's there's so much talent right there. They and it's not like new. Right. Right. <laughs> right. People's votes right now. All the misfits are. Listen, I, I, I don't know. Uh, we have to. I'm very curious to see. Uh, I don't think we've seen a lot of their their new DP playmaker, uh, and I think we, if we see this guy's legit, you know, then sure, this is a, this is definitely a team that could they could make that kind of run. But but I'm still the jury's still out on old Vaco, and I'm not going to try to say his actual name. Vaco, play. All right, so we're, we're going to close the book on that. You know, uh, it was a fun discussion to kind of see where six seeds are on both the Eastern and Western Conference. Right now, going off to segment two, Miguel Almiron, and is he, I think we both can agree at this stage. Mm-hmm. He's a good player. Yes? Yes. Very good player. So, is he a great player? Um, it's hard for me to say. He is a very exciting player. He is a very uh, flashy player. And when things are working around him, he's capable of doing very, very great things. But um, is he in this, like, I- I'm hearing a lot of people start to mention him sort of in this conversation with uh, Javinko and David Villa. Like, is this guy possibly the best player in MLS? And... I don't know that we're quite there yet, but but I'm willing to be convinced otherwise. <laughs> I I would I would actually go the opposite way, and I, I I'd answer that for you and say no, he's not. 
Okay. Well, I didn't think so either, but, uh, <laughs> but well, I mean, I, I, so that's just, that's, you know, what do I know? I'm, I'm, yeah, there, there, there's that, uh, that, what is that from? That is from, uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. What do I know? I'm just a bear. I rip the heads off of fishes. Um, <laughs> like, I'm just Harrison Crow. I just sit here behind a computer and look at numbers all day. Yes. But, and, and, and they're no, really good numbers, right? Uh, Elmeron is sitting right behind, uh, Eric Torres and Ola Kamara for, uh, go, oh, I'm sorry, Torres and Ola Kamara, yeah, for, uh, goals plus assists right at 14 you know he's had eight goals that he scored he scored he's managed to create six others uh by way of assists which in and of itself is really good and when you think you know 14 and the tops in the league is 18 with you know Nikolic and Akam and Villa that says something right he is on the footsteps and that press you know of approaching that precipice of the best MLS players but the problem is, is that his underlying numbers kind of give you hesitance. Yeah. Or at least it does for me. Yes. You kind of have some numbers that you put together, not the same ones I tweeted out uh, before this podcast. What What are you thinking, and how did you kind of gauge him? Uh, I mean, I think that he is this kind of guy that is... What I like about him might also be his sort of uh, undoing to a certain degree. Like, he... His most impressive stat, I think, is looking at his expected passing numbers in the attacking third, where he's, you know, hitting passes that are, you know, have a 68 per 5%, I believe it was, like, um, you know, rate, you know, of success expected. And he's, he's doing over that. He's doing about, you know, 69, 70, somewhere in that kind of percentile. So he's hitting these uh, passes a lot. Uh, despite that, like, his, uh, his key passes aren't super high, uh, as you'd expect a player like that to have. Uh, he's kind of at 1.6 per 90, uh, which is, you know, not bad, but when you compare it to, like, Lee Nguyen, who's got 3.3 per 90, uh, Kleshton's at 3.6, Fielhaver, 2.7. Uh, I, I think you start to see maybe there's some disconnect there. And I know that that's not entirely on... Miguel Almiron, and it has a lot to do with who he's passing, what happens to it after that. Uh, but that is something that gives me a little bit of pause, uh, is to see that the chance creation isn't quite where you'd expect someone in that position of that caliber to be. I think it's really interesting, uh, his touch percentage. Okay. So if you kind of look at where he's at in touch percentage, comparative to where all the playmakers are in MLS it's a little bit on the lower echelon and that's not necessarily an indictment upon him or even his team. It's the, the system that he's in um, and how his role is being utilized. But that being said, you can see he doesn't necessarily uh, trump to get the ball, right? He doesn't say, Hey, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. Or at least I haven't ever seen him kind of demand that ball. And then mm-hmm. with that, his open run of play statistics are kind of at the lower end of where everybody's everybody else is at for I mean if you we want to really put him up against the, you know the elite the elite you know check and see who are the elite okay well open run you know I say open run run of play open yeah open play run of play um, you know we're talking about Nikolic Akam Ola Kamara you know Via Right, Phillips. You know, you mentioned him earlier. Uh, 
Mario uh, Moro Manotos. Uh, you have uh, Fernando Adi, Diego Valeri. These guys are not heads above, but we're talking about a good 30 people ahead of Almiron that are consistently run of play higher, creating better chances. And that's a lot. And that's yeah. not necessary. Again, that's not to say that he's not good. He's very good, as you said, but he's not great. He's not yet busted through there and said, you know, this is this is now where I'm at. This is now where I'm putting, you know, my mark. He he's not there. He's definitely had some moments and he's scored some great goals. I'd really like to see what he does in year two before we start putting him on that uh, on that Mount Olympus, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, the current. Yeah, I think we're in agreement on that. Then, like, there's a lot there, and you know, it's good to remember he's young too, and 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 there's there's more to come. I don't know if that is going to come in Major League Soccer. I mean, I think he's the kind of guy that does the kind of things that teams. Um, you know, in Europe, are, are going to be looking at and going to catch glimpses of and 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 and, and take notice of. So I, it, it'll be interesting to see if we get the, the best Almiron here, uh, even in MLS, or uh, if that's something that happens far away. But right now, I think that yeah, he's he's definitely not a player. I think any team would would say no to having on their side. But uh, we're still not we're not quite there yet. Uh, the reason I asked this to you is I and I I know this is going to sound stupid of me. Uh, to get upset about these things because I do and I shouldn't, but uh, I don't know if you saw the 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 ESPN uh, MLS top thirty players rank. Did you see this? I I, I I barely glanced at it, got it, upset myself, and then like closed the window because I didn't want to stay mad the rest of the day. Okay, well I did the opposite of that. I stared at it for about two hours and stayed mad the rest of the week. Uh, but they have him all the way up as high as sixth. And I think that even that is quite a bit generous. No, I, I, I mean, as I just said, there's 30-plus players ahead of him. In, and that's not just like, you know, Latif Blessing that's got like 600 minutes. Th- these are players with over 1,000 minutes. I mean, Marco Urena uh, down in San Jose has a bet, has, is creating more expected goals plus expected assists in open play per 96 yeah. minutes. He's so, a player. Yeah, he's definitely. Uh, I was going to say, like, remember when I was trying to do my, my uh, most creative player in MLS thing? Like, his numbers consistently surprised me with how much he was actually generating those chances. Right. No, and that's kind of, I mean, that's the thing about having these numbers and putting them on a spreadsheet is it's not necessarily like, oh, okay, well, let's see who's ahead of him. And, oh, they're automatically the better players. I don't think either of us are saying that. I don't want people to get confused when they listen to this and think that's how we're doing this. Like Kai Kamara is ahead of him on the list. Uh, Roland Lamar is ahead of him on the list. I I don't take either of those players, to be perfectly honest, over him. No, no, That being said... I'm also going to really think about this and say, well, is he doing everything that he should be doing yet uh, comparatively with, you know, the, the Urena, the Mantos, the, the, even the Diego Valeri, uh, Justin Miram, Juan Aguadello. No, he's not. He's not over those guys yet. Now, it's kind of fun to kind of look at Diego Valeri and say, all right, Valeri's 31 Almiron is thirty is twenty three, and there is some great 
things to look forward to in this this guy's young career, right? Uh, not mm-hmm. only is he he's more active defensively, he has uh, better dribbling skills, he has perhaps probably some of the best dribbling skills among those in his general position. And then on top of that, he's a great passer in the attacking third, as you already mentioned. Um, yeah. So there are things that are there. There, there are... Almiron is exactly what we had hoped Darlington Nagby was going to be coming out of college. Ooh, yeah, there you go. That's great. I would agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't give him the crown in the top 10 just yet. I'm not uh, ready to, 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 to do that just yet. Mm-hmm. He's the best player on his team. And yes, you can go ahead and throw your Joseph Martinez at me. I, I will scream right back sample size. Uh, until I'm blue in the face, I want to see him do it for more than a thousand minutes. Um, oh yeah, definitely. I don't think he's. I don't. I don't think he's past a thousand minutes just yet. Nope. Uh, no, he's. That really being said, like, yeah. he he's been phenomenal in what he's done so far. But I want to see. But yeah. keep this in mind. Keep this in mind. And I think I've probably said this to you before. But as good as Martinez has been when he's played, and he has been good, he's got what nine goals. And. Mm-hmm. Four of those came against teams that were a man down. And three of those came against early, early season Minnesota, which I kind of threw a lot of statistics out the window with those guys uh, when they were giving up, you know, six goals a game. But I don't think that that's something you see from them anymore. So, yeah, there's obviously skill in, in Thelt there. But you, like, looking at the sample size we have, you're going to have to do a lot more to convince me that this is, you know, a top tier MLS striker even. Well, all right, so Martinez, I, I will say, if you take, let's just say we take two of those goals away. He had, he has seven goals aside from those two, so nine in total in 628 minutes in MLS. Mm-hmm. 18% of his shots that he's created are done by himself, so he's extremely dependent upon Almiron and the rest of that attack uh, mm-hmm. Viaba, whoever else is, you know, kind of helping him uh, create, he's not doing it on his own. Yeah. So, and I think that's something to kind of underscore, not to take anything away from him. You know, you know how much I love Ola Kamara. He's very much the same way. Um, so, not taking away anything from these guys. That being said, you have to consider who they're dependent upon and who is who's buttering their bread, so to speak. And it's Almiron right now, and and Vilaba, uh, both those guys, yeah. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. So, so case closed on Almiron. He's great, but he's not the greatest. Segment three, young United States <laughs> central midfielders, and we're gonna get some calls on this. Okay, this is my fault. Oh, you've been stirring the pot huge, but I came on strong there at the end, so. All right. So, another thing I saw on this list, this this list of 30 that I should have closed immediately and not gotten mad about again, but did the opposite, was that MLS writers, several of whom I respect, somehow managed to rate Kellen Acosta as the 12th best player in Major League Soccer. Which is not true. That that is, do you think that no. that's anywhere near accurate? <laughs> no. 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 Do you think that he is 
better than, say, Oswaldo Alonso, who ranked 27th? No, I don't. Okay. So I, I, I legitimately wanted to think through that before I answered it, but yes, I, I, I no, I don't. Okay, that's not... I'm not trying to pick on Kellen Acosta, because I don't think Kellen Acosta is a bad player. I think the Kellen Acosta hype has gotten just extremely out of control at this point. I would, um, I would agree. I 100% agree with you on that. I think he's great. I mean, he was the first guy I drafted. Like, I mean, I, 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 I like Kellen Acosta a lot. Uh, but I'm looking at this guy now, and I'm seeing, okay, he's a commissioner selection to the All-Star. He's an MLS All-Star. Uh, he's a... Looks like a proverbial lock for the World Cup roster. Uh, he's a uh, the twelfth best player according to, to MLS media, and I'm just not seeing any of this. Like, where is this coming from? Yeah, I mean, look, he he's below average for. I, I tweeted out some st- uh, some stats, and if you want to take a look at him, you can go out to my my yeah. Twitter there at Harrison underscore Crow. Oh, I got him up here. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you just look at him and compare him to Christian Roldan, Marco Delgado, Fateh Alashi, uh, Tyler Adams, Will Trapp, Ian Harks, uh, Sean Davis. Davis, Davies, Davis? Yeah, Davis, yeah. So, if you rank them from top to bottom, Kellen Acosta has been the worst passer out of all of them, and it's not even really close. No, especially um, across- in the attacking third, yeah. Which that's supposed to be his kind of that's the reason why he was moved up there, right? Like he was had a little bit of an attacking presence. He had some bite, but he had that attacking presence. And that's why they moved him from being a fullback to being a defensive midfielder to being that number eight, right? Was yep. because he had more of that. And we've not seen that. And look, I, I saw a couple of people that, you know, said on Twitter, well, he's still kind of growing into that position. And, and that's totally, in a lot of ways, a fair argument because there's a lot of things. Um, being the quarterback and being playing central, you have to be very observant. You have to know everything that's happening tactically. I think mm-hmm. some of the best tacticians have come out of that fullback or the central defense positions, right? They just see everything that's happening. They have to be aware. But that being said... Something as simple, and I say simple, again, relative to um, your level of play, I could not pass half as good as Kellen Costa. But you would think that would be a a specific talent that regardless of if he's in the central defense or if he's in um, the outside defense, if he's in the central midfield, regardless of what position he's facilitating, he's still going to have some cursory traits and attributes that you're going to be able to define and latch onto. And I just don't see that with our expected passing numbers right now. Well, and even uh, just a straight percentage, I know we don't like to use those, but at all these, I mean, he's at 77% pass completion, uh, averaging 35 passes per game. You compare that with someone like Will Trapp, who is averaging 69 passes and passing 90%, or Roldan's close to 60 and 84%. I mean, like, like, he's just, he's really on the low side of all these players that we've pointed out here. Like, it's, and like you said, it's not even close. So let me, let me ask you this. What, what is, what is Kellen Acosta really good at? Like, what is this standout thing? I, I would say, and my one thing that just looking on here, if I had to look at my numbers, I would probably say he's probably really good at 
having the ball at his feet and taking mm. a shot, finding a shot, finding space beyond the 18 and creating a shot, uh, be that dead ball situations or be that run of play. I think that that's probably a really good, uh, that, that's probably a plus attribute of his. So, yeah, so of, of all the ones that, that we, we, we picked out here, uh, he does have the most shots per 90, uh, 2.2, um, which is, you know, that's good. Well, I mean, you look at uh, expected assists and set pieces, he's had six shots. You look at uh, dead ball expected assists, out of all of his peers, he, you know, obviously takes the most dead balls, so mm-hmm. he's going to have the most. But, uh, you know, out of 66 dead ball attempts, which are corner kicks, free kicks, set pieces, um, he's had 14 assists, which is uh, the highest percentage out of his peers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously he's doing... And, and let me let me say, I think Ian Harks and uh, Will Trap take a lot of set pieces, but they're all f- long set pieces, not necessarily close set pieces. So it kind of changes uh, yeah. the dynamic of that. But that being said, he's obviously creating some really good opportunities for Dallas in that set piece situation. And you can tell that Dallas really, uh, Oscar Preya really likes him in that position. Mm-hmm. And so, and it seems like just you know, judging by some of the fan base that we have in our um, in our nerd league, you can kind of hear the talk that that is something that he's rather rather good at is dead ball situations. Right, but yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, that's good. He is he is good in dead ball situations. Um, so, like looking at this, like if I took if I took my hands, like looking at your spreadsheet here, and I covered up all the names. Like, would you be able to pick the MLS All Star out of that? Like, I mean, who would you think it was going to be? Probably a combination of either Will Trap, Sean Davies, or Christian Roldan. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just like that's like the last guy I would like uh, gravitate towards. So, okay, are we are we saying that 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 we don't like Kellen Acosta? No, no, not at all. I, I have a lot of hope for him. Yes. Well, actually, please say, please send us all the hate mail. Uh, I can give out uh, if you hit me up, uh, if you DM me, I will give you Ian's email address, personal email yeah. address, and his uh, personal address. Uh, that if you want to like glitter bomb him over this, <laughs> please don't. Like uh, like red and blue, like Dallas colors, glitter bomb. That's sure, what I suggest you do, sure, and sure. I will I will enable you to do that. Oh, he's. He's, he's 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 great. I love Kellen Acosta. Everything I've said has been in love. Just trying to encourage him. Uh, <laughs> so I guess like the the big point, and this is what the argument got to be that that brought all this about, was that I said that I thought that uh, a player like Christian Roldan was at least comparable and possibly uh, superior this year than Kellen Acosta. Uh, would you say that that you agree with that? <laughs> I'm scared to agree with you, but yes. All right. I'm really scared of where this is going. Yes. So if you DM me, I will send you. <laughs> <laughs> we both deserve it. Yeah. No. Absolutely. No. I think. I look. If you want to. If you want to know, do I think Christian Roldan deserves to be uh, the full lock going to the World Cup over Kellen Acosta? I, I would totally agree with you. In fact, honestly, I would tell you I think Will Trap. 
yeah. it would be even better, especially considering what they're really what they'd be using him for, which is more mm-hmm. ball circulation and getting that ball into attacking positions. Yeah, not being that person that hits that final ball into uh, that. That's gonna be that's gonna be Nagby. That's gonna be Pulisic. That that's. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be um, Acosta or Roldan or whoever you have facilitating that eight, whether it's Dax McCarty, whether it's uh, especially if it's Alejandro Bedoya. <laughs> Look, you're getting these guys because they carry the water, right? They're, they're yeah. really good with the ball at their feet. They're really good in possession. They're really good passers. So, you know, Will Trapp to me is the person that speaks to me about that. Uh, I, I have to say that of all the numbers I pulled for this today, like, Man, Will Trapp is good at passing the ball. <laughs> yeah, and he does it a lot. And uh, I was really impressed by 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 the numbers I saw on him. So yeah, I, I wonder if he, if we could ever convince Bruce if he listens to this show, which I assume you, he does. You, I I would just hit up Zach Goldman and just <laughs> just have Zachy uh, hook you on up. Grandpa, we'll, we'll do it. All right, I think that's it. I think that's it. That's it. We've alienated Atlanta and Dallas fans. Uh, so, oh, at least, at least, yeah. there's probably at least a few others that are uh, offended. Yeah. And I mean, L.A. certainly. Sure, sure, sure. sure. So, uh, if you're still listening next uh, next time, thank you. Yeah, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, big thanks to all our sponsors, Brenton Walters, DC Exile. Uh, which uh, you know what, dude, your code name or your your little name that you chose it sounds like an evil oil conglomerate like right dc yeah definitely uh, it sounds like something that, that that dick cheney was in charge of yes I, I i would agree um please go out to itunes or whatever you get your podcast format and listen to you on your phone rate review us just go out there rate review review us give us a rating we're not asking for five stars you know three stars wouldn't hurt yeah, That's we're three. St- we're a three star program, right? Listen, we are at best a three star program, and I'm 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 comfortable with that. No, I, you know, look, I've listened to others. I know I know what they're getting because it's publicized. They have their you know their fancy stars they put up there. We're mm-hmm. asking just to be rated among them and not necessarily better than, right? Yeah, we're not asking. Yeah. We're not putting that on the listener. Don't make that determination. What's better? It, that's not fair to them, but uh, give us some love. A little bit. Three stars. <laughs> three, three stars. Uh, you can also find far better content out there at AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com. Go out there. We have expected goals, expected passing data, plus uh, a few other things for funsies. Uh, this past week, we had Kevin Shank, who did an amazing article on the Philadelphia Union and some of the underlying numbers, and really the lack of shot volume, which is kind of crippling uh, – their ability to score goals at this stage and really be at the place that they should be um, mm-hmm. with their talent level. Um, the, this dude named Harry Asano, um, he did this uh, article on Sporting Kansas City and replacing Dom Dwyer. It was all sorts of awesome. It was a new chill. I don't know who the dude is, but definitely need to go out there and, and read that. Click it like five times. Um Anyways, all, all this stuff is really good. I know Kevin Minkus has an article that's going to be hitting next week. That is, um, uh, yeah, if Kevin put like half his brain power into it, it's going to be awesome. 
please go out and read it. Um, all this stuff is really good. Click everything. Um, as for us, we're Audi 5K. Uh, you can hit Ian Lamberson on Twitter at Total MLS. Yeah, because you do the Total MLS on the yeah. weekends. Yeah, all the gifts on match day on Twitter, and you can hear more opinions like the ones you just heard, but in shorter bursts, and also see moving pictures. I like moving pictures. Me <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they can also find you at the Sixteenth Doc. And I am Harrison Crow at Harrison underscore Crow. That is us. Until next time, Ian, say goodbye. Uh, I'm going to try a new closing catchphrase for us. Go for it. And that's the analysis. Yeah? All right, cool. Yeah, that works. No, I'm... (laughs) We'll we'll play with it. All right. Sayonara. See you all next time. Shut your face. High school jerks. We're about to show you how this works. Are we cool? Laser beams. We're about to awesome all your dreams. And you'll say, what are you, some kind of computer? And we'll say, a cyborg bit from the future. And I'm going deaf for cheesy. I'm feeling.